Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how's it going? You're at the end of your fabled week off. Have you completed Zelda? How much of Zelda have you played? How are things going? I haven't completed it. I've done two dungeons. I've been pootling around. I've got 86 shrines. (laughs) That's what I've been doing. Shrines. Wow. I've been doing a lot of building. There's a big building side quest in the game that I've been enjoying. I've I've kind of finally reached a point where I can kind of explore more of the skies. You know, I've got the the know-how and the vehicle parts to kind of get further afield. So, um, yeah, it's kind of... It's something we mentioned in the Zelda episode, but it's kind of interesting how exploring in one realm kind of like helps you go further in a different realm in that game and they all kind of sort of feed into each other yeah it's i'm having a good time with it interesting yes that um podcast generated quite a lot of discussion didn't it that was uh surprising to see i suppose the question to ask is are we okay after the whole zelda thing <laughs> of course we're okay <laughs> after the whole zelda. like the, i don't think the whole zelda thing is that much of a thing all told Wherever you end up landing on Tears of the Kingdom, it'll be fine, because <laughs> I really love it. I, I I think it's great. I am. There are games where, like, if you weren't into it, I might question what I think about it. I might be like, hmm, you know, I wasn't completely made up. This one, I am, I am confident this is a truly great game, and nothing can sway me from that. Um, <laughs> would I go as far to say that I pity people who don't enjoy it? <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh dear um yeah it's funny because i um i, I have played a, a fair chunk more of it since we did that episode i think about probably about six hours more than that right. and i have reached a point now where i'm i'm sort of like ignoring the building for the time being and just doing the quest stuff and i think that i'm enjoying it a bit more there i think one thing i definitely agree with that people have been raising is the idea that the shrines are a better sort of format for the sort of chaotic puzzle solving element than the open world is where building stuff feels a bit more functional and building bad cars or bad airplanes or whatever i think they're like in the very specific circumstance of the shrines where you are given the parts to solve a particular puzzle and it's down to you to figure out how to do it I think they really sort of, it really shines as a system. And then when I get into the open world, I'm not that interested in building stuff. So I can just, I just kind of go around the, in the traditional Zelda way. And the game seems to be mostly fine with me doing that. So yeah, that's uh, that's good. And then only occasionally engaging with the uh, the building when I want to. I'm sure at some point the game will demand that I do more of it. But for the time being, it seems pretty lean, you know. I basically build planes up in the sky and I build stuff where... There feels like there's a puzzle solution, you know, like the, the game has a habit of putting a cluster of things which suggest an, an obvious build near like enemy encampments or near the Koroks or whatever. But like there's also you get those sort of supply dumps all across the world where, you know, every 200 meters or so, you'll probably find a little stand which has got some planks some wheels and whatever. And I'm not building cars there. Like, I i don't build a lot of cars unless I'm on, like, literally the top of a hill. My favourite little thing to build is, um, I can't remember what they're called, but there are these little, like, flat things with wheels on them already. I think you're meant to put the gliders on them to kind of go down ramps. Right. But if you stick a steering stick or a control stick or whatever they're called on top of one of those little wheelie trays that's just like a little like mobility scooter <laughs> and i like to take those down hills really fast 
because I don't have to build anything other than combine two things together. That's good. Your your dream transportation method in Bath come to life in uh, Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been like almost knocked out by so many of those fuckers on their little orange scooters. Which yeah. are they meant to be on the road? Are they meant to be on the pavement? No one really knows. Um, <laughs> But no such worries in Hyrule. Um, oh, people look so fucking smug on those things as well. They're like, I'm on a scooter. they got that kind of expression about them. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I just want to clothesline you. Like, I'm in, like, bully or something like that. I just... I'm on a scooter. <laughs> they got... But there's a lot of that going on. Do you notice yeah. that too? People are looking around like, I'm on a scooter. You're not on a scooter. That kind of expression. There's a lot of that going on. Because they conk out at a certain point, right? Because they're, yeah. they're, they're, they've got something inbuilt in them to stop them from you just like nicking them and driving them out of town. Yeah, to um, Bristol or whatever. But yeah. it means you can see where they, they basically conk out at the bottom of our road because right. there's always loads of scooters left there. You can sort of see like the radius of the scooters from where they're left. It's quite good environmental storytelling, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it does have a bit of a sort of like late stage capitalism dystopia vibe to them when you see them, their little lights kind of like fading in and out at night time when you're going for a walk. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> this this is like, like you say, good world building, you know? I, yeah. sort of, I feel very immersed by reality right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I can see the sort of parallels you've drawn yeah. there. Um, so Zelda, Bath, tick, tick. <laughs> yeah, done that. And now on to um, another bit of bullshit that this podcast is synonymous with Games Court. So. This is the only podcast format to a name to be replicated by an AI. <laughs> no AI, no matter how well trained, can can like reproduce this drivel on command. So that I think that makes us safe from the oncoming revolution of billionaires bankrupting regular people, so they can just mm-hmm. serve content, etc. So you know we're insulated by how terrible these podcasts are. Good stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so Games Court for people who don't know, then oh, how to describe it? So years ago, about two years ago, I guess. We did an episode where I I audited all of these eBay purchases by having Matthew judge whether they were good or not. And if he decided they were not good pre-owned purchases, you know, your kind of DS games and the like bought for 8 to 12 quid. During the pandemic, just before um, prices really, really skyrocketed on some of these games, I would be put to death. And we did that, I think, like a couple of times. And then we decided to turn it to the listeners because that would, that seemed like a fun, natural evolution of it. At the first time we did it, I don't think we were confident we had enough listeners to even bother with it. But... Now people seem to very much enjoy the Games Court format. We put listeners on trial, we decide whether they're, they're guilty or innocent, and then we, if they if they are considered guilty, there's some kind of comedy execution awaiting for them at the end of it, at the behest of uh, one Judge Matthew Castle. So it's sort of endured as a format, and it's been a little while since we've done one now, about five months, so we are, we are due a new Games Court, and we've got about, I think, like 15 entries here to go through mm-hmm. from the listeners. Matthew, how are you feeling about coming back to Games Court? I feel like you resent this even more than I do. <laughs> it's always a bit nerve-wracking because people do like these episodes, but we have no idea how they're going to go until we're in the moment, and there's always the risk of trying to kind of recreate something that was quite spontaneous and fun. That's worry one. Worry two is that anyone hopes this has, like, nutritional value and that <laughs> they're going to hear some, like, deep analysis of quite a random selection of games, which yeah. I haven't seen. I I have cast a, a very quick eye over just to make sure there wasn't anything too scary, but a lot of these games, like, I haven't played or I don't have an opinion on. I definitely don't know how much they're worth. <laughs> traditionally worth in trade-ins which it's the whole concept of this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just to reinforce 
really how hollow this exercise is. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of games I don't know about. Uh, we're going to talk about prices, which I definitely don't know. But it'll be fun. It's just fun to hear people, you know, what they've been up to. And I'm more interested in it. Not, not necessarily the complex life stories behind these purchases, but the kind of imagining the mindset of someone who felt that they had to by the wheel man um <laughs> 10 years on like that's 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 fascinating to me <laughs> that's the stuff that gets my juices flowing for sure they're like i just bought golden compass on 360 and then i'm like right you know rubbing rubbing my knees at the prospect of it so uh yes it's that kind of bullshit we like to litigate and so like matthew says we do not consider ourselves authorities on you know auction prices for games going prices for retro games we are not claiming that it's it's simply um some whims on the part of two people who are half informed so that's it's, it's real gut feel stuff on this definitely um, yes and then i i, I also uh, to kind of also complete the you know you know the sort of like format of how we do this i am the the basically the defendant's representative and court uh better call Saul type jimmy mcgill figure who often conspires with the court to have my own clients killed because <laughs> i feel that's important um for a bit of, for justice like my, I'm I'm there to represent the clients, but also justice. What I consider justice is important to me too. So sometimes I'll be like, "No, I think this guy should die." And then Matthew will be like, "Okay, then," and then we'll either drown them or send them to Lord Brisby or whatever. You know, like uh, <laughs> lots of fun um, evil fates have awaited these uh, these listeners. So first of all, we start with the world building, the deep lore. So for what for people who haven't listened to this this these episodes before, there is a fictional island, a place beyond space and time called Matthew Castle Island. That is where these uh, these trials take place. And it has been established as being a kind of like Colonel Kurtz run island nation type deal. Sort of like budget North Korea, basically. Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Just to kind yeah. of get that out there. Yeah, Matthew, what's new on Castle Island these days? Well, not days as such, because that would be a measurement of time. And as, as listeners know, time is banned on Matthew Castle Island. So what's been going down there? And the internet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the two facts you need to bear in mind for the next one minute. <laughs> well, uh, I've been quite jealous of the uh, Cannes Film Festival, uh, so I've decided to launch my own film festival, but it only shows South Korean films where people get wrecked with hammers. Uh, <laughs> every film ends with a standing ovation that lasts, well, who can tell? <laughs> that's right, that's one. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Joke number one ticked. There are five jokes. Here's the second. Yeah, I think Jerry Seinfeld does this before every second. <laughs> there are 26 jokes. Let's begin. The film festival is opening with Oppenheimer, the Odeon Bath audio cut, uh, which of course has no soundtrack, no special effects. Uh, it'll be the first Christopher Nolan film that anyone can understand. That's joke number two. <laughs> yep, ticked. Yep, good. Yep. Uh, what else is going on on Castle Island? Oh, well, Matthew Castle Island Competition and Markets Authority has decided to block the uh, Microsoft and Activision merger uh, <laughs> on the grounds so that it would lead to Crash Bandicoot being readily available on Games Pass and the world don't need that shit. <laughs> I did have a long bit about how I was trying to buy Sing and that the, that the uh, CMA uh, blocked it just because it just wasn't <laughs> worth anyone's time. Also, Sing closed years ago, but th- again, you, you wouldn't recognise that on Castle Island. It didn't make any sense even by the logic of this terrible bit. Um, (laughs) Obviously, at the moment, Zelda, massive on the world stage. Uh, It's called Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, That's what I bathe in every night. (laughs) Want internet access? Cry more, losers. Okay, good. Is that the world building complete? Are we done? Uh, Last bit. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good. <laughs> Last joke. Of course, I shouldn't be too blasé about mistreating the people of my island. Um, playing Zelda, it's actually been sort of fermenting a bit of unrest in the local citizens. Uh, there's a prophecy on our island, too, that I, too, can be brought down if you unite the power of six sages. So islanders are currently looking for the sage of fire, the sage of water, the sage of wind, the sage of lightning, the sage of spirit, and the sage of time. Good luck with that last one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, round of applause there. It's just, you know, we're... The world, That's the world the building <laughs> I saw the word time and went, yep, there's something in that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I've got a bit of a bit of Tears of the Kingdom in my bits. Oh, so, nice. Uh, excited about that. So, um, okay, so who's in the courtroom today? Normally, we, even though this is, a, you know, a, a sort of like autocratic sort of courtroom, the judge decides all. For set dressing, we often have like a jury of sorts to uh, give it a bit of colour. So who's in the courtroom today, Matthew? We've got Turgle from Jedi Survivor, but his skin texture guy. hasn't properly rendered in. Even with his skin texture, he's quite cursed looking, to be honest. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. that's that's rough. we got a Thomas the Tank Engine that someone's modded into the courtroom. Not <laughs> pleased about that. Uh, we got a Gollum from the upcoming Gollum game, but we didn't pay for his emotes DLC, so he comes with none of his iconic gestures or sayings. <laughs> we got a Dr. Salvador from Resi 4 Remake and a Dr. Salvador from original Resi 4. They're separated with a divider, they so they don't see each other and wig out. <laughs> I question his medical pr- credentials, Dr. Salvador. That's all I'm saying, you know. Just not <laughs> yeah. convinced there's uh, a degree behind that that title, but yeah. I do wonder about what Dr. Salvador does the rest of the time. Because, you know, the village siege at the start, after a certain amount of time, he's like, I'm coming in. And that suggests this whole time he's just been standing on the other side of the gate, like, waiting for it to kick off. Yeah. Like, what? Like, because the villagers, if you watch them from afar, they're kind of like, some of them are carrying hay, and like, one of them's looking at a chicken, and some of them are putting a policeman on a stake they have like purpose in their lives it's quite hard to imagine what the routine of dr salvador is yeah is he cutting like wood down maybe or like cutting trees down or uh, uh, the bag over his head is the, the confusing factor because that would suggest you know that doesn't cover the eyes if you're doing a bit of soaring so uh who mm. knows um yeah i don't know yeah. it's un- unclear again though the doctor part is the thing i'm the most curious about like where did that come from who conferred that upon him etc so maybe just by the standards of the village he's the closest thing they have you know he can use an implement and so he is like he may as well be the doctor yeah the rest of them could only throw little axes and explosives but he can actually like you know use two arms to do things that's like yeah good for him you know so and everyone knows the doctors are are the most sort of like capable amongst us so uh who else we got in the courtroom uh we've got addison who's the guy who holds up the unbalanced signs in tears of the kingdom right um but no one is engaging with him because frankly we're sick of the rice balls he keeps giving us so we're just (laughs) not going to help him what does the uh, the sign say? Anything funny? Like, uh, execute the listeners or anything like that? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Also from Tears of the Kingdom, we have incredibly hench Ganondorf from the past. But let me remind the court that being performatively horny is banned on Castle Island. <laughs> we respect Ganondorf for his military achievements, not his abs. <laughs> 
Okay, good. Yeah, big uh, Europe in the 1930s diplomatic energy there. Very good. Um, yes. Okay. Um, that's who I got. <laughs> okay, good. That's a solid lineup. I enjoyed that. That was, mm. you know, the idea of two Doctor Salvadors is uh, is curious to me. I do think at one point when they properly clock each other, we're going to have some problems, but uh, that's not for me to worry about. Um, yeah. Okay. The last piece of the puzzle here, Matthew. How are we going to execute the listeners today if found guilty? Inspired by Zelda, I've managed to develop my own version of the Ultra Hand. So I've got an Ultra Hand and a huge pile of crap that I'm going to attach to people. Right. Now, some of you might become majestic gliders with sound aerodynamic thinking. Others will just have a plank coming out of their head at a weird angle because I couldn't figure out the rotation controls. (laughs) Uh, And to those who nervously anticipate this fate, I say this... Fear is just a construct of the mind, and soon you'll be a construct of my mind. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So people don't know exactly what's going to happen to them as such. So I'm just got, I got a pile of stuff. I'm just going to attach stuff to people and see what happens. Yeah, I've put four wheels on you. You are now a car, etc. And then yeah. I'm going to wheel you into the ocean. You're uh, now yeah. my special car, like my <laughs> like my version of the Pope Mobile. <laughs> I'm going to drive you all around town, saying yeah. this person bought a bad game that's good yeah the castle cadillac or something you know some kind of like name like that with a bit of alliteration Mm. um okay good all right well lots to pass there so um (laughs) listeners that fear not because you have me the third best attorney on matthew castle island to help bail you out of this so i have prepared a speech here i often do give a speech beforehand i'm not sure if real lawyers do this haven't been to a court case been enjoying, well, traditionally, um, these speeches seem designed to like rile me up, which is not like the best tactic for a lawyer. I mean, you say that. I, I mean, I've, I've done that again here, exactly. Um, oh. So there's, there's been no change. This is a courtroom. It's not the roast of Judge Castle. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's kind of fair. But again, I think the roasting is part of why we're here. I like to create a bit of tension because I think we need a bit of antagonism between us in order to create the necessary games court drama. So yeah, okay. there's a bit of that behind it. Plus, I just like writing speeches, to be honest. That's a real reason. Um, <laughs> okay, ladies, gentlemen, Warios and war criminals of the courtroom. Um, brackets, this is before I knew there was no Wario in this courtroom. He's probably here. Yeah, okay, I think he is a resident on this island. There is like There has historically been a Wario or two um, knocking yeah. about in these he's, courtrooms. He's the court stenographer. Yeah. <laughs> A really important role and a highly paid role. Uh, what is your currency here again? I don't remember. Well, it changes based on like what I'm currently into. So obviously it's rupees <laughs> at the moment. Okay, good. That actually that ties in well to something I've got coming up. So uh, I'll continue <laughs> with the speech now. Uh, it's like you go joke number two. I'm, I'm doing it the same with the speech. Today we once again welcome a cavalcade of dweebs into the courtroom. Their only crime, making rash buying decisions on eBay. Who among us hasn't accidentally slipped and pressed buy it now on a 7 out of 10 Suda 51 game from 2011? Or dropped eighty six ninety nine on a copy of Glass Rose for PS2 because some <laughs> ne'er-do-well picked it in a Capcom games draft? <laughs> Who hasn't burned £300 of ill-gotten gains on Steel Battalion when they don't even own the flat they're storing it in? <laughs> judge Castle has installed himself as judge, jury and executioner on this island, though often he'll outsource that last bit to Michael Caine. I ask you, however, can we trust this brutish warlord? who reportedly straps Zonai devices to his servants when they overcook his Tesco pizzas, <laughs> sending them floating into oblivion while he lectures them on what a good crafting system it is that Nintendo has built? <laughs> Can we trust a man whose island compound is a replica of the hotel in Hotel Dusk, except it contains the drowned bodies of games court victims past in various tanks? And should we believe in the integrity of a judge who tried to submit a freelance pitch to the Lucky Clover Gazette 
only to demand 100 rupees per word, then later learn it was a fictional publication. This man is nothing but an Aldi Kim Jong-un. Problematic, frequently rumoured to have died, <laughs> but ultimately a cheap imitation. <laughs> Let's not punish these slabs. <laughs> Let's not punish these slads just because they bought a PSP RPG or two that IGN gave a 6 out of 10. Let's punish them for their actual crimes, like joining the Backpage Discord and being part of our community. Thank you, Your Honor. Beautifully done. Um, I feel sufficiently riled up. I'm ready to attach, to attach some things to some um, boys. Let's do it. That's good. I like how we're in the same headspace for this. It's like, well, I'm playing this one game, so I'll make jokes about this one game. <laughs> Okay, exhibit A. Give me lots of me talking. It's often rumoured to be dead. <laughs> Wasn't he rumoured to have died, Kim Jong Un? Oh, he's meant to have everything. He's like, isn't he just like more gout than man at this point? <laughs> oh, same brother. High five. Um, <laughs> Do you okay. also see him at Pure Gym? <laughs> no, I don't. Like, yeah, like, I don't see that my guy sort of like doing crunches. Do you know what I mean? And just sort of like, or the, or the Chris Hemsworth ropes, as I refer to them. These the, these cables that you see little lads like running away with and they look really stressed when they're doing it they'll sort of grab a cable then start running with it and i've no idea what the fuck that machine is but (laughs) they are giving it their all there's a lot of like tentative looking lads in the gym there's tentative looking lads like incredibly stacked bros and me right in the middle basically that's like the clientele there it could go either way (laughs) yeah exactly okay Exhibit A. Good morning, gentlemen. If it pleases the court, I would like to humbly submit some recent CEX boot fair and charity shop purchases for judgment. I'm going to resist the powerful urge to try and justify my predilection for obscure and almost certainly terrible PS3 titles and have simply instead provided the titles and their cost devoid of any other mitigating context. Well, that's not true because there's this whole fucking paragraph I just read out. But anyway, (laughs) may the learned judge have mercy upon my wretched soul. Okay, uh, we start with probably the most interesting one here, Matthew. You've got G Darius. Um, This is from Koig. Um, Interesting. It's um, G Darius on PS1. Are you aware of this game? I know the Darius series, maybe not this specific entry. Yeah, so it's like a Tato sort of shooter series. Yeah. Um, this one costs twenty six ninety five on PS1. There's Ultimate Action Triple Pack on PS3, which includes Just Cause 2, Tomb Raider, and Sleeping Dogs. All solid games, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. There are 16 times official Dreamcast Magazine demo discs with their cases and artwork. <sighs> £21.70. <laughs> Sigh there. <sighs> Child of Eden, PS3, for £1.50. Nothing wrong with that. They should fucking put that on uh, Quest 2 so I can enjoy it at home in my uh, VR head set uh, virtual tennis 2009 ps3 that's one pound <laughs> wanted weapons of freight uh on ps3 four pounds very five out of ten uh third person shooter if, um if i recall correctly mm-hmm. mind jack on ps3 one pound fifty <laughs> mind this, jack this is an obscure square enix thing i don't remember that well i don't think it was very well reviewed um storm rise ps3 one pound that was like a creative assembly uh thing um from a long time ago Time Shift on PS3, £1.50, which has Greg Grunberg in it, Matthew, so consider that in your judgment. Um, he is the voice actor in that game. Important there. Um, side note, by the way, I know the other day I realised I had four pictures of Ron Rifkin saved on my work desktop, and I thought, <laughs> I'm the only person in the world who has four pictures of Ron Rifkin <laughs> saved on their computer, <laughs> other than maybe Ron Rifkin. Was um, that because you made him into a custom background for your desktop? <laughs> Yeah, but I've got him on one of him on each monitor, so I've got like Alias um, on one of them. I've got um, Kevin Costner's Dragonfly on another one, etc. Uh, I can't name two other Ron Rifkin projects, to be honest, but uh, I respect his work. Uh, Vin Diesel's yeah. Wheelman, PS3, £1.50. Black Sight, Area 51, Harvey Smith game, PS3, £1.50. 
and the occupation on PS4, which is £8, quite a mix there. I think probably the thing to discuss here, Matthew, other than Wheelman, as you mentioned, is kind of like a, a, a sort of like a classic game score entry in a lot of ways, because it's sort of a bit 6 or 7 out of 10. It has Vin Diesel in it. It's kind of funny to discuss, but was actually considered quite a solid game. The Dreamcast demo discs feel like the one to me that are most likely to get this guy executed. What do you think? Everyone knows that like we're not big Dreamcast heads. And when anyone brings up Dreamcast, it makes me feel bad about myself. Um, which is Why? a feeling I like to feel. So, Why? Why do you feel bad uh, about yourself? Well, because I don't know about it. That it is, It's sort of like an embarrassing hole in my knowledge. I don't like to be reminded of this. Because the thing is, this is the one point where if we, we jokingly go, boo, Dreamcast... People, the Dreamcast people online are just the fucking worst, you know, because <laughs> they want they want you to think that they're all chilled and blue skies and all this kind of shit, but actually they're really really pernickety about their hobby, and they're very like you don't know about Dreamcast, and I'm like I haven't really got a lot of time for that. There's a lot of Yuji Naka energy from those people, Matthew. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they're they're kind of like acolytes of the Naka. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, like. There's too many 6 out of 10s that are going to be sort of lost to time there to be truly down on this selection of things. Really, the most egregious part of this application is that uh, Koig was super down on Foundation on Discord, and I liked Foundation on Apple TV. <laughs> Apple TV's really going for it with sci-fi, isn't it? It's like actually <laughs> investing in it original well i suppose it's based on something but you know it's not not fucking star wars or star trek basically i mean but this isn't sniffy tv opinion court so oh no one would survive that in our discord honestly like there are certain names that when i hear in this episode i'm like instantly eyeing up attaching a tnt barrel to someone's head (laughs) just just because they've laid into something that i like on discord but i've got to be above that i've got to be better than that um, um, can I also just like go, go to bat for the demo disting a little bit in the sense that I think that like there's a certain nostalgia tied to demo disc that isn't really relatable to any other type of games nostalgia. I there's something about like when I remember the uh, my early days of only a PS2, the thing I do remember hearing a lot was the official PS2 magazine demo disc music, which is like and like um. <laughs> Uh, that and then I'd play like Tarzan Free Ride or Hurdy Gurdy or um, Ico or Smackdown <laughs> 2001 or whatever. Like, I what just. Ble- what a bleak picture you paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was good because it was like, you know, Demodest was sort of portal to a load of other stuff. I guess you could argue as well that if you're a retro collector, having the Demodest lets you explore. explore avenues you know let you let you play games you might not have played mm. otherwise you could just emulate them although again that's like uh you'd have to own the games originally to do that legally what i mean what i'm pretty conundrum? sure they say not for resale on them that's very true that's you very know, true if I'm, if I'm thinking about my loyalty to my former employer um you should not really be selling those demo discs so, but... <laughs> was that was that a future mag the official dreamcast mag i've no idea i don't know i no. I, that's the thing it's a big blind spot for me dreamcast i feel like there's just too much shit that we kind of don't mind <laughs> yeah i think uh, it just about evens out this one like there's stuff like storm rise black site no but... it's almost too perfect a collection of games it's right. al- it's almost like bait back page bait you right. know yeah G. Like, Darius is an interesting pick as well. Like a side-scrolling shooter, PS One, like arcade port, never ported anywhere else. That 
that being the like expensive one here kind of makes sense and none none of the apart from the mm. demo discs none of the prices are that outrageous to me like they're all like two pound or less that's pretty harmless i think apart from wanted weapons of fate at four pounds but even so it's not like you pay 20 quid for it you know how about this we say not guilty but yeah. i attach a hot air balloon and a flame emitter to the demo discs so that they just float up into space and we never have to think about them again Okay, sounds good. They'll burn up in orbit, and that'll be but fine. Yeah, and that's it. And then we just don't have to think about it, and which is really the best way of dealing with Dreamcast, I find. Okay, so there you go, Koig. In real life now, you have to get rid of your demo discs and some kind of yeah. air balloon, and that's that way you will be spared. Um, so good luck And with I that. can feel a little bit better about myself. <laughs> which is obviously the the real goal of this court. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Occupation's kind of an interesting game. That's sort of like a, a fixed-time, immersive-sim narrative thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was slightly underplayed, but it looked quite cool. You aware of this game, Matthew? Like, uh, it's just like PS4 gen, right? Yeah, they, it was like the developers made Ether One before this, which is a well-regarded yeah, sort of point-and-click kind of game. But yeah, it was a no from me, dog. I tried it and didn't like it. They're an interesting dev. They seem to make super specific stuff. So um, they're called white paper games, I think. And mm. yeah, this is about. I think a law is going to be passed in this game, and then there's like a certain amount of time to find evidence to get it repealed or something like that's a super interesting i, mean, I don't want to be it. encouraging that kind of behavior <laughs> no because that will go against you on castle island but... <laughs> no 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 <laughs> okay next up then exhibit b uh, that's uh, sorry that's innocent so i'll just type that in innocent but going up in a balloon good um <laughs> exhibit b uh disc world ps1 45 pounds fully intended to play through Almost definitely with a guide, as I recall it being unbelievably random, and revel in the fabulous 90s Legends voice cast, John Pertwee, Tony Robinson, Eric Idle, etc., and wonderful writing. That's from Jimble. Interesting one, Matthew, because you have talked about Discworld before. Um, Discworld Noir, I'm guessing this is right. That has to be because it's on PS1. It might just be Discworld 1. Oh, okay. Is, that, is it like the same cast in each one? I don't know much about this series. Yeah, so. yeah. It's the, yeah, they have, they have the same people in a lot of these things. Rob okay. Brydon is in loads of these games. Oh, good for him, you know, make that make that money, Rob. You know, good it for him. It's pre, you know, like when Rob Brydon became a thing, I remember thinking, oh, like from the Discord games. Oh, interesting. So that's your main way into the trip then. What if the guy from the Discworld <laughs> games and Alan Partridge went on holiday? Um, Imagine if you read that right up. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. Um, 45 There's quid, a lot of money. Not Discord jokes in the trip, given his career. <laughs> was that, yeah, that was, that was your review for Total Film, and it was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very confusing for the pr reading that yeah 45 pounds that's quite a lot of money i get the sense though that like that's probably what it's worth this it's a slightly mm. slightly odd odd type of game to be on ps1 but um yeah. and hasn't played it which is often not good with this judge the idea that i, I had to spend this because i had to play it and the fact that you haven't played it shows the passion isn't there did i love these games when i was younger i was obsessed with them i really really wanted them and i bought them i played them and famously went to a stranger's house to ask them to borrow their guide um i tracked someone down in the phone book who i overheard at a terry pratchett signing had a copy of the walkthrough and stalked him (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and this was like pre-internet when this stuff was much harder to do it fills me with fear the idea of ever having to go back and replay these games because they were full of just absolute like bollocks logic like it was just nonsense you know that it really tapped into the kind of weird and wonderful world of Discworld but in doing so was just a, a quite a hard and unsatisfying point of click game to play like mm. the, the 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 rules of the world are kind of like 
you're not trying to think of what what makes sense you're trying to think of like what would the punchline be what would be like the goofy twist on this solution which is actually quite an unsatisfying way of building a puzzle in a point and click game i think Mm. 45 quid for something you haven't played i mean that is about what it's worth i had a quick look in the background there it's this is the going price for it on ps1 this is the going price for it but he doesn't he didn't play it it's Mm. it's not just the value it's it's the point of buying it um, yeah, we need a bit of drama on this podcast. Kill the guy. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, it's a no from me, dog. <laughs> in in traditional court parlance. <laughs> um, okay, how are they dying, Matthew? How are they dying? I mean, let's let's just go for the classic. I'm just going to attach shitload of rockets because that's what a lot of people do in Tears of the Kingdom because everyone knows how a rocket works. I'm hitting those rockets. He's going up, out of sight, <coughs> out of mind. Oh, wait, no, he's come back down. He's smashed all over the courtroom. Uh, very much back in sight, back in mind. It's horrific, but I stand by it. Okay, good. And the, two, the barrier between the two Dr. Salvador's is shattered as the rockets collide oh, into the ground. Oh, who knows what happens next? That's intimidating. Some quite short uh, ones this time, Matthew. People have been listening to your complaints from previous episodes. Oh, so that's good. good. Yeah. You ready for the next one? Yeah. Not the juiciest of submissions. Great way to fucking start, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Because because there are no games attached, but I just bought this used new 3DS XL off eBay for €135. I have pulled down the seller from €160. This is despite already owning a normal 3DS XL. The good part is that this white version was never sold in North America. The bad news is that since I'm living in Germany, it isn't compatible with my... I can't track this story. It's it, There was Euros, there was North America. He's in... What's going on? Yeah, the narrative's all over the place. Um, it's like fucking Sam Raby's Spider-Man 3. So that's a really specific reference, but I've just been listening to a podcast about how fractured the narrative is in that film, and it's now embedded in my brain. So I bring it up like it's a normal reference. Right. It's a 16-year-old I... film no one's thought about in a long time. I was going to say it's like Tenet and not Tenet, the Bath Odeon audio cuts where you can hear the dialogue. Oh, Tenet comes up a surprising amount on this podcast. Okay, the bad news is that since I'm living in Germany, it isn't compatible with my American cartridges. I plan on jailbreaking it, though, to get around the region lock. Was this an okay price? Is the new upgrade worth it? Edit, it came with a couple of small scratches on the top screen and already jailbroken. Condition oh. otherwise solid. That's from Tanner. Now, Wait, it was already jailbroken? Yeah, I guess so. It's funny to be selling that. You know, the cops could uh, could trace it back to you. But, but I thought you said he couldn't. It wouldn't play his US games. That's a good point, actually. I'm not sure it doesn't say the that. The narrative here is very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of questions. I think here. if you were if you were in like a like a legit court, I'm not saying that this court isn't legit, but yeah. if you were in like a real world court and yeah. you presented such a confusing case. If I've learned anything from legal dramas, it's not necessarily like about the facts of the case. It's just yeah. about like a nice clear narrative. And this really runs counter to it. There could be a lot of like truth and decency in this story, but there's a lot of words which are kind of counteracting other words. I don't really know where I'm stand. I'm feeling quite flustered. I'm yeah. reaching for the ultra hand. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. Okay, my one case for this like a repeat console purchase is simply that nintendo has stopped manufacturing 3ds consoles if something yeah. goes wrong with your existing one at least you have a backup that's that's kind of what i i did do with my 3ds because my my original model 3ds and i absolutely love that original original version of it it's such a beautiful feeling like varnished shiny thing um the analog nub thing just kind of like fell off and needed to be glued back on repeatedly and i was like ah this feels like it's gonna go wrong at some point so i ended up buying the new 2ds xl 
which is a really nice non-3D 3DS, just to have it as sort of backup. And I don't regret that decision. So mm. that's the one thing I would say here, Matthew. And plus, the prices of the, the 3DS really did explode during the pandemic. And I don't think they ever really came down. Um, I think it just, yeah. the 3DS just suddenly was no longer manufactured. And then people were just buying whatever they could during the mm. pandemic. So, uh, yeah. Um, but even so, if you killed them, I'd be fine with that. Again, great lawyer here. Uh, just great lawyering, you know. Yeah, I don't know. it's got a scratch. I don't know. It just it, it sounds quite compromised. Yeah, uh, you kind of you kind of did a bad sell on this. You weren't just like got a new 3DS XL. It cost this. You you gave all this complicated backstory and created a you, you created a paper trail of like disasters for us to like yeah, question your character. You know, deep down, you're probably right in your quite spirited defense of this, but. I feel like this particular client needs to become like a warning to history about how not to present a games court case. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like execution is well. Well, like, I mean, does history is there history, Matthew, on Matthew Castle? <laughs> I mean, there's no yesterday and there's no tomorrow, so it's it's tricky. Um, it's more just. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll get passed around the island as as gossip, and hopefully people will think on it a bit more before coming to Games Court. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's the way of thinking about it. Well, what, listen, what I'm going to do is I am going to say guilty, but yeah. I'm going to attach uh, a wheel either side. I'm going to attach right. a fan to his back. I'm just going to set him going. Uh, I'm going to put one of those um, big fat batteries on there as well, so it's going to run for a long time. And he's just going to go. He's just going to go forwards. And will he live? Will he die? We don't know. I mean, he's just gone. This is an island, so presumably at some point <laughs> we he just will... don't know. We just don't know if you go in a straight line on an island, what happens to you eventually? We just don't know. So that is my decision. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just typing in guilty. With wheels on, driving infinitely. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Exhibit D. <laughs> Two guilty verdicts so far. This is uh, dramatic. On a trip to the UK in 2018, I came across the Wii version of Donkey Kong Country Returns. Eight quid in a Glasgow CEX. I was pretty sure it would work back in Australia since we are all pals. Very good. So I took a punt and bought it. It did work and I had a great time playing through it. Co-op with one of my brothers. So I believe I am safe. I just don't really know if the price it was purchased for really, was really worth it since it was a different currency. Should I be executed or will I go down with a Ned, Quelly, Ned Kelly quote, such is life, which everyone now knows thanks to John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, that's a, a bit of an overrated movie in my opinion. That's on Glacius, that one. Um, I mean, John Wick's not on trial. So. No, no. You you were annoyed by John Wick's coat, weren't you? Like the just how much how many bullets he was deflecting with that thing. Didn't that get on your nerves, him doing that? The way he holds it, I don't think is as cool as they think it is, where he kind of holds <laughs> up his lapel to his face. It's got yeah. big, like, the, the head of Tesco's has just been fired and is leaving the building and trying to cover his face from the paparazzi energy. <laughs> Corpulent CEO embarrassed energy. That's <laughs> good. A good te- two Tesco references on this pod. Um, okay, fair enough. Uh, so... This is quite a, a quite a boring game squat entry. This one because eight quid seems like a fine <laughs> price for a, for a good game. Um, That's because so, it's just a good solid case. Yeah, yeah, and I hate those. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's not what I. That's not what I specialize in. I specialize in cases where I can um, boot them when they're down and join in with a judge on sentencing them to. Uh, or like you can showboat a bit. Yeah, exactly. So this feels like innocent to me. Matthew, thoughts? A great example to our um, our last client slash victim. This is how you present it. It was yeah. this much. The price, like, that sounds fine for what that game is. 
Yeah. You played it. You played it with your brother. You really got the most out of it. It sounds like you enjoyed yeah. it. It worked. Ned um, Kelly quote as well. Ned Kelly quote. There was a Ned chaser. Kelly quote. Yeah. I love that. I. You know that I love Ned Kelly and that I fashion myself <laughs> after him. Yeah, it comes, so, comes up a lot. Yeah. You know, I wear. Um, is he the one who wore a bucket on his head? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to Google Ned Kelly bucket. Uh, uh, it would it would appear to be there was a Wikipedia page called Armor of the Kelly Clan that came up when I typed it in, so uh, that would suggest so. Um, yeah, I've got a bucket on my head right now. Okay, good. Yeah, you 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 always wear that on Sundays, don't you? That's like a whole. But thing. with a mouth hole cut in it. <laughs> um, please, please do not try and shoot me through my mouth hole. That is my weak point. <laughs> that's just, that's that's where Haribo goes, basically. That's, that's where Haribo Haribo only no bullets. Also, I love the idea of you suggesting to this this listener that they can learn a lesson from the last listener who is no longer here because they have wheels on them and are going <laughs> inf- infinitely in one direction. I love the idea. <laughs> learn a lesson from that person who is no longer here and will never be here again. We didn't learn a lesson. He t- like that. If anything, you should have done it in a different order. Like we could have told the last guy to pay attention to the Donkey Kong guy. That's how you do it. But. You know, unless we shout really loud, I think that guy's gone now, so... Yeah, sadly so. Okay, good. Well, then we have an innocent verdict. Um, That's good. So- uh, quick update from me. Uh, EA has patched Jedi Survivor, and now Turgle looks fucking great. <laughs> Glad to hear it. My guy Turgle. I'm a big Turgle head over here. A Turgle head. <laughs> <laughs> it happened again, Matthew. Um, that's good. Turgle uh- head. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I um I think I've written down the wrong name for this person because I wrote down Glacius again. So one of these is not Glacius. If this was you and I got your name wrong, I apologise. But I'm not going back into the Discord. You're to lucky. That. If this was someone who um made fun of a piece of pop culture I liked, they're getting off light. Yeah, absolutely. It could be the same person, but um uh oh, I don't know. I, I I'll look it up afterwards and then mention it in the show notes or something. Am I going to do that? No, probably. <laughs> no, not. Don't, just... don't don't make promises that you're not going to deliver on. Okay, Exhibit E. Um. It could be or could not be Glacius. Let's find out. <laughs> Nintendo new 3DS XL with the wrong stylus. Had to go back because there wasn't one. £215 from CX, including 88 trade-in uh, C-reverse games court. That's a, 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 a format that we're piloting, but um, has not taken off yet because we don't have enough entry. Reverse games court. Uh, I'll explain more at a later day. I, <laughs> I expect Samuel to regret his words and deeds now. I don't know what that's in reference to, I'm afraid. In fairness, well, that's, I can a, that's see- a Metal Gear thing, right? Yeah, I do, yeah, but that isn't that just about like why Quiet's wearing a bikini or some nonsense? Yeah. That's what that was. I don't know what that what that means. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. The context is lost on me. In fairness, I can see they left it a bit late, but we're still able to get the rest of the Ace Attorney games and some of the other recommendations before the eShop got pulped. Um, also bought the first Professor Layton for six pounds, Layton two for six pounds, Layton three for eight pounds, and the standard Hotel Dusk eleven pounds. Now. <laughs> No prices there on the Ace Attorney games, which is frustrating. Well, it, he bought he probably bought them the digital ones, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Um, so two hundred fifteen pounds—that is a lot of money. But if CEX are selling it for that, that's probably what it is. What is the going price for it? Um, and I imagine that the. 3DS shop closing probably spiked this, Matthew. So another 3DS in here. I think people just um, a bit buzzed up by your recommendations, trying to hoard stuff before the shop went down. Yeah, Um, I mean thoughts. I don't know. Is the lesson here to like trust Nintendo and get in early when it makes sense? Isn't isn't that what really what we should be saying here? Like, is this a habit we want to encourage that people buy into these things too late when they're too expensive? 
Yeah, well, the thing is, so I think this is these are some unexpectedly high prices on some of this stuff. Like, I don't know if anyone could have anticipated that it would cost you almost two hundred pounds to buy this ancient console now. But it's like, it's true. It, you know, when you look on eBay, they are the cheapest going price for one of these is one hundred and fifty quid. Like it's and that for a used one. So the, mm. we are looking at like these are pricey machines. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of it might just be the way it is. You know. Yeah, but this was more expensive than 150. They didn't shop around for the best possible deal. 215 pounds. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm not actually sure why that's so expensive. Didn't have the stylus. That paints like quite a bad picture of how used it is. Yeah, I bought. I bought my. You know, my three. My 3ds for like 130 quid or something. Like it was. You know, and that was when it launched, and I had a great time with it. It's. It's also weird to try and experience the 3ds, the magic of the 3ds, so far in retrospect, because. You know, like, it, while it does have its own specific magic as a console, it's sort of like, it's odd to play the Switch and then go back and play the 3DS, you know what I mean? Like, there's a bit Ooh. of a, that's a strange journey to take, so. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's very tricky, because I, I just, what I want to encourage is that people get on board earlier with Nintendo. Like, I think they're safe purchases, you know, you don't need to be leaving them, they're not curiosities. You don't need to be leaving them until they're after they're out, so you pay more for a second-hand, like, nasty version of them. Mm. Um but like the actual games are fine, and wanting to have a 3DS, I can completely understand. A delightful machine. Bought Layton. I love Layton. Let's say innocent, but I also want people to know that this person like shouldn't necessarily be like copied. I don't want to encourage people and then to think that paying 200 plus pounds is good for a 3DS and behaviour that we're going to encourage. Right. So I'm going to ultra hand. A big, like, beam emitter, which is just a constant laser coming out of his head to the top of his head. So while he can go about his everyday life, you're just going to have to be quite careful around him. Like, never get him to turn around quickly, because that's going to chop down a lot of stuff. That's going to be bad news. Like, you're going to have to crawl in front of him if you ever want to talk to him. And it's just a constant reminder that this this guy wasn't like completely right yeah okay that's you know harsh but fair um beam i would emitter. say one of those unicorn horns with like the lightning coming out of it which is another item but i think that would probably like interfere with the 3ds itself which <laughs> really like negates the whole purchase you'd be constantly you wouldn't be able to have anything metal in your hands because you'd be constantly electrocuting yourself so the, the beam is it could have been worse yeah, I love the idea that the beam emitter like doesn't punish them, but punishes every single person they will come into contact with potentially. So there could be yeah, like relatives sliced and diced, etc. Yeah, oh yeah, and it it, co- it colours you in their eyes because yeah. they're like, oh man, that like, he's such a pain to be around, and that was because he he bought this expensive 3ds. So I won't do that. I think this is the perfect result. Okay, good. Yeah, innocent, um, but with a beam emitter on their head. But, okay, like, good. cursed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. That's inherent from the idea of the punishment, to be honest. And there um, will be there'll be windows where, like, because it's, obviously it's battery-powered, and those batteries will run out, and then he'll have, like, you know, a moment's bliss. Um, but once those batteries have refilled back up again, that thing's coming back on. Yeah. So, like, enjoy the five minutes of recharge time or whatever. <laughs> He's forever going, don't touch it, basically, to the, uh, to the, to the beam emitter. Just trying to perfectly balance the scale. Uh, and he's basically like Cyclops from the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, you know, and how did that guy deal with it? He got a pair of sunglasses. Like, uh, you got to do something similar, I guess. Go he get- got a pair of sunglasses and became, like, an amazing hero. Maybe I've set this guy up for a better life. 
On that note, actually, have you been watching uh, Jury Duty on Freevee via Prime, Matthew? I haven't. Ha- it's all right. It's like, do you know what the premise is? How they tricked like one guy into thinking it was a real court case and everyone out. It's all made up, but he thinks it's real the whole time. And it's kind of like a mockumentary. But James Marston's there too. That's why I bring it up. Did you, you, you aware of this? Wait, it's like a, what, a, a real guy, like a human guy. Yeah, like a, he thinks it's a, a real human court case. guy. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's a real court case, but everyone there from the jury to the judge to the, you know, the, the defendant and the prosecutor, they're all actors. And. It's basically what? like a sitcom around this guy, and you're watching him being credulous at all this random shit happening. Um, Wait, and it's like legit. He's like a, he's like a, a an unknowing member of the public. Yes, yes, and they interview him constantly Whoa, throughout. That's quite a high stakes bit of TV making. It is. It's like one of those shows where the premise is excellent. It's about twenty percent less funny moment to moment than I would want it to be, but it is good. And the highlight is J- James Marsden kind of playing a version of himself um, and just he being a bit of a bastard. It. No, he does, but that's like part of it as well because it's like a Los Angeles court, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm this actor. Do you know me from stuff?" And he, and then I think he like, I think the guy, the normal guy, slags off one of his movies, and then James Marsden goes, "Yeah, I was in that," and uh, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite good. James Marsden's sort of like oh. doing the the sort of Thirty Rock version of himself, basically. Um, so yeah, it's it's. It's worth checking out, I think. But uh, yeah, bit of a TV wreck in the middle of games. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> the rest of the courtroom are just looking at us having this exchange, <laughs> and they're like, "Really? You yeah. guys need to do this here?" <laughs> yeah, two Doctor Salvadors. Doctor Salvadors, they're getting quite antsy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Exhibit F. So this uh, bit of context here. This is um, people may remember I made a joke on a previous games court where I was asked like, "What's your perfect games court entry?" And I made up a pretend man called Gerard Manley, and it turned out there is a guy who's actually called Gerard Manley who listens to the podcast, and well, he's not technically called that. He's got like a, a an Irish name. I'm not going to try and pronounce because I'll just do a really bad job of it. But it's like um, G E A R. O-I-D, and then Manly. So, like, you know, I don't want to have a go at that. And, you know, there's the context you need as we go into this one. So it turns out being called out by name slash manifested screaming into existence by Sam in a previous episode, and then buying a PC Engine Mini isn't good enough to be featured on Games Court. I don't remember that entry, Matthew, so maybe it got lost in the inbox somewhere. Um, did it come across as pandering too hard? Was it Matthew's subsequently revealed anti-Irish bias? I don't remember that coming up. Um, all this ran through my head as I struggled through untranslated versions of Snatcher and Tokimeki Memorial. That's a bad time right there. Anyways... <laughs> Here's a proper list of things the court may be interested in, most of which was purchased over lockdown. Quite a lot here, Matthew, so um, okay. I'll just fire through it. Like Loads, actually. So it's going to be hard to make a call on this one. <laughs> PS Vita, £140 for the memory card and unwanted copy of PS All-Stars. Brutal. It's quite good for a um, Smash Bros. clone, that, but it is fundamentally cursed. <laughs> oh, um, MGS HD Collection Vita version, £35. Mm, that mm. sounds about right price-wise to me. Uh, my main motivation for the Vita was to play Persona 4 Golden, which I was certain wouldn't come to any consoles I own anytime soon, let alone Game Pass, <laughs> but here we are. New Nintendo 3DS, £125. I have jailbroken this to, shall we say, future-proof against the eShop closing, so slightly older entry here. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, £15. Monster Hunter 4, £9. Ghost Recon Shadow Wars, great game, £3. Ooh. Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate, average game, £6. Castlevania mm. Laws of Shadow Mirrors of Fate, £18. That seems quite high, but I don't know. We like that Good game. Good game. I love that game. Yeah. Tetris DS, £9. Fucking great version of Tetris, that. Bangayo Spirits, £25. GTA Chinatown Wars. This one's confusing because it says £15.99 and then it says £40. I'm going to assume the first one's correct. Dragon Quest Nine, £9. Dragon Quest Six, £29. 
Now for the spicy ones. Oh my god. Okay. He's doomed. I'd say so far, I'm liking this game's collection. I've not got anything against it. There's t- you can see that there's taste behind it, right? You can yeah, you s- yeah. You sense there's a, a sensible hand at the wheel. Yeah. Um. Okay. Dragon Quest Four, seventy five pounds. Mm. I got mm. that one. For, I got that one just before um the lockdown for about forty quid. So that must have really spiked that one. Mm. That's the one people like because I think you can marry someone in it, or like you can choose who you marry. <laughs> people, they, retro dots love that one. Um, Dragon Quest Five, one hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> Um, 160? Yeah. I also got. Oh my god! I've got a copy of that under my stairs. I'd give it to you. I'd just let you have it. (laughs) Uh, Not now now that you know it's worth some money. Um, (laughs) I also got a Super Famicom version of Dragon Quest VI for for £9 that I can't play because I like the box art, which I know is a Games Court no no, but I can play the DS version anyway. It's kind of scary seeing all that written down. Yeah, no shit. The perils of disposable income, eh? Anyways, love the pod, and hopefully I don't get sentenced to whatever the new horrible um, punishment is. Cheers, Gerard Manley, perhaps. Okay, so, yeah, I think it was all going well, and then you spent £235 on two Dragon Quest games for DS, and that does seem egregious. Thoughts, Matthew? It's so much money. I just don't yeah. think anything's... Well, I just think there are, you know, given that you've already said there was a hint, a sniff, a whiff of piracy about this post, a jailbroken <laughs> 3DS. Oh, that's just so much money for Dragon Quest V. And I don't endorse other techniques, but um, that, just, that just feels kind of dumb to me. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's egregious enough that the, the punishment has to has to be severe like just just because this would suggest you've not played a dragon quest comprehensively before right they are fucking long games notoriously so having bought two quite pricey ones that would surely be enough to tide you over for now as you find out how much you actually like the series so i suppose you could have paid 11 and gone back to these but to go out all out and just get the entire collection it seems slightly much despite the fact that i i like almost every other one of their purchases matthew they're all pretty good. I'm not like anti the Dragon Quest Four for whatever it was, seventy quid, seventy five quid. I don't think I'd pay that more than that for like any game. Nothing. Oh, it's just too much. I think there's an iOS version of Dragon Quest Five, which I know is going to be a different experience. But like, there are ways of playing this game. There are just other ways of playing this game. It's a, it's a no, no, of course not. Uh, so I am. Um, I got my Dragon Quest mixed up. By the way, Dragon Quest Five is the one that is incredibly well regarded, and hence that's why it's so much money, I suppose. Um, yeah, but they're all hand quite of the well bright. regarded. That doesn't that doesn't make a difference. No, I know? suppose not. But I think it was considered quite significant in the sort of course of RPG storytelling, like as a, a milestone. So I, I sort of yeah, but that's just too much money. So I agree. Um, death just... then, or whatever the pun. What is the punishment? I'm just looking through my selection of Zonai gadgets. I've put some charges in one of those uh, capsule machines. So <laughs> I've just got to see. I'm getting a lot of cooking pots, which I can't really. <laughs> Uh, think of anything too good i mean i guess i could just cover you with cooking pots and like braise you to death <laughs> yeah i mean brutal but you know or just you you hit them with an arrow and they turn into a perfect like leg of meat and then you just cook that yeah, they you know, then like... cook in a cooking pot yeah. or like i hold them like link holds ingredients so i've got this like man in my hands yeah. maybe some tomatoes i chuck him in and he does that little blum 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 um little and link hums like a little bit of like Wind Waker or something. It just comes out as just a, just a horrendous mess that gives you like half a half a heart. 
Yeah, and heartburn. He needs to take a ready afterwards. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, wow, yeah, it's just like playing Tears of the Kingdom being in this courtroom. <laughs> wow, it's so, so immersive. Um, side note, by the way, you can... Uh, so, yeah, Gerard, sorry, you're dead. Sorry about that. Um, so, you could, foxes weren't in Breath of the Wild, right? They've added that to the game. No, they were foxes. Oh, were they? I just don't remember them. I think it's because when I played um, Breath of the Wild, I used to call in the... Um, uh, Twilight Princess wolf thing, and it would just go and hunt all the animals in the area. It was quite a fun I thought little you were going to say you called that in and then killed it for its meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that when I when I was chasing after like a fox on horseback with a bow and arrow, I just I had big Tory energy, and that felt very unusual for Link. And I could sort of I sort of see why people are trying to role play it as like vegetarian Link or whatever. I mean, it's a bit too much hard work in this game. I think. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I eat all, I eat all kinds of shit in this game. I've eaten <laughs> like fox, all these delightful birds, even like tiny birds. I'll still shoot and see what happens. Delightful birds. <laughs> uh, okay, that's <laughs> well, good. Well, like for, you know, like flamingo-looking things and like herons and a big old heron pie. <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, good. All right, next one then, Matthew. Exhibit G. Hi, I'll cut the shit. Here are my purchases, all eBay. The following are Dreamcast games. They're all boxed with instructions. Uh-oh. Some have damage, but nothing too egregious. Sega Bass Fishing with Fishing Controller, £45. Side note, this is an absolute blast. Well-built controller, although it does sound like there are bits of bro- broken plastic shaking around inside it during use. It resembles Great. a cursed maraca. Somehow, I don't think that's <laughs> going to win Judge Castle over to your cause. Are you sure it's not a Sam Adumigo maraca and you've just got very confused? I was thinking the exact same thing. Hi- <laughs> High five, the one Dreamcast joke that you and I can make. Um, okay, good. Um, Ferrari I love F- the idea of a guy trying to play a fishing game with just a maraca and not understanding. Like, this is weird, but uh, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, could you use those maracas with Space Channel 5 as well? I think that's something they did. So you could. Use, there's another game you could use it with. Anyway, I'm just getting distracted here. Um, Ferrari 355 Challenge, 1099. Trick Style 555. I don't know what that game is. MDK2, 799. Ready to Rumble, round two, 432. Yeah. Tomb Raider Chronicles, 775. V- Virtual Fighter, 3TB, 550. Metropolis Street Racer, 783. So Bizarre Creations, um, precursor to Project Gotham Racing. Choo Choo Rocket, £7. Very well regarded game. Mm-hmm. Official Dreamcast, race controller, steering wheel, boxed. £27. I mean, we don't care about that here. Um, side note, this is absolute <laughs> gubbins. It feels offensively plastic. I'm guessing Sega had packed it in by now, so I was excited by the fishing controller. I had to buy this. I deeply regret it. I was so excited by the fishing controller, rather. Um, I've also just bought the Metal Gear Solid Omnibus Deluxe Edition graphic novel hardback for £91. Oh, my God. I consider this a reasonable pricing as it's out of print. It's in perfect condition. Thank you for your time, Your Honor. Even I don't have that hardcover because it just it was too expensive. I bought the um, soft covers. This came up during the um, XXL episode on comic books that we did. Um, I right. talked about Metal Gear as something that the listeners might be quite curious about checking out. The um, Ashley Wood artwork um, in the first two adaptations of the Metal Gear series, they were really good. So, uh, yeah, I have clearly poisoned Nathan Brady Eastham's mind into buying that. The rest of the purchases seem fairly inoffensive to me, Matthew. I wouldn't. I would expect to pay a little bit over the odds for a fishing controller, but forty-five pounds doesn't seem too bad. I'm not particularly inspired by the list of games, but there are some like verified Dreamcast classics in there, alongside Ready to Rumble, of course. Thoughts on this one? <laughs> Again, having to pass judgment on Dreamcast games always makes me feel ill at ease. Yeah, I mean the prices aren't like extreme or anything. The problem is everything now. I'm, I'm recontextualizing everything based on the 170 quid Dragon Quest V. And this all seems very sensible. For like the price, less than the price of that one game, you have kind of like an instant little Dreamcast collection. 
Yeah. Um, and that's kind of hard to argue with. Trickstyle, by the way, is quite a cool-looking hoverboard um, game from Criterion. And Eurogamer called it a cult classic, apparently. It was like got like Ooh. sevens at the time, but apparently it was just like a smush completely by Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, as you might expect. Right. But yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh, it's the Metal Gear hardback that's given me pause. Yeah, that's tough. Tough you threw that in there, really. It's like you were doing so well, you know? I always find it hard to rate things which aren't games or peripherals or hardware, you know? What's the most you've paid for an out-of-print Japanese crime fiction novel? Oh, well... <laughs> A twist. Over £100. Well then, come on. Oh, well, I was going to say, that's a legit collection, but this might be a legit collection. If this is the only extra bit of Metal Gear paraphernalia they have, that would be mad. If it's like the crown jewel in a collection of many things. But well, that isn't th- in the note, is it? Well, the thing is, it is it is every single bit of Metal Gear comic they did in one big hardcover. And... Nicely presented hardcover as well. Publishes IDW. They always do nice like trade um, binding and stuff like that. So the thing I is, mean, it, it, it is a nice artifact for sure. Even though yeah. I, I think I agree, that's a lot of money. I, I personally wouldn't have wanted to pay more than fifty quid for it, but that's just me, you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you, you kind of got me on the Japanese crime fiction thing. I could be snooty about it, but I think I'm going to let this one go. Okay, good, innocent. There you go, Nathan. You're welcome, mate. Uh, okay, next one. That's what uh, I say to all uh, my clients. Quick so update. Uh, Johnny Sasaki has entered the court. Oh, no. And I'm ultra-handing his shitty barrel to hold up Addison's sign. <laughs> and he's very grateful for it and gave you some more fucking rice balls. And you're like, no! Yeah, um, great. Because yeah. that's just what I want to eat after smelling a big barrel of human shit is a load of rice balls. Yeah, exactly. With a bucket on your head as well. <laughs> <laughs> just feed me rice balls through my hole. <laughs> Very cursed sentence for this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Can you this ultra one. hand the rice ball up to my mouth? <laughs> no, it's too, it's too late. He's fused it to his fucking big thick stick or whatever it's called. That's a very silly name for a weapon in that game, isn't it? Okay. Um, hi, lads. As a big fan of Games Court and having enjoyed the thrill of getting away with Shining the Holy Ark previously, which we did deem a good Games Court entry. I wanted to submit the court my as yet uncompleted Shining collection. I'm still right. missing the GBA games, brackets. I'm reluctant to ever get these given the expense and abundance of counterfeit GBA games around. And scenario two and three of Shining Force 3, which I'm sad to say I have owned previously and sold on for a much lower price than oh. they go currently, having failed to play them years ago with a printed paper translation. Probably Ashley Day bought those. But I'm very <laughs> happy with where it's at for now. For the record, I also own a copy of Shining Resonance Refrain for the Switch, but bought it new, so I haven't included it in the list below. This is someone who's like, I know you guys are a massive fan of the Shining series, and it's like, nope. Um, so, so I'm just going to give you lots of caveats that don't mean anything to you anyway. But, I, you know, I appreciate the gesture. Yeah. Um, I should add, I'm aware many of these are Japanese-only releases. I'm holding out for the day when smart glasses are affordable, and the technology is usable to play these with live translations. That might be wishful thinking, yep, but I live in hope, as most of these are likely never going to receive official Western releases or fan translations. Here we go, Matthew. It's uh, it's quite a list. Um, I can tell from your tone of voice that you're just like, this is going to be a death. I sound a bit done, do I? I'm just kind of eyeing the clock and I'm like, I have a sausage sandwich in 40 minutes. It's going to be fucking terrific. <laughs> okay. Shining in the Darkness, Sega Mega Drive, pal, £25. Shining Force, Sega Mega Drive, pal, £33. <laughs> Shining Force 2, Mega Drive, um, PAL, £39. Shining Wisdom, Sega Saturn, PAL, £27. <laughs> Shining Holy Ark, Sega Saturn, PAL, £73. Shining Force 3, Sega Saturn, Japanese, £10. 
Shiny Force 3 reproduction physical copy of the fan translations for scenario 1 to 3, Sega Saturn, £13.50. Shining Wind, PS2, a Japanese, £6. Shining Tears, PS2, Japanese, £8. Shining Force Neo, PS2, Japanese, £16. <laughs> Shining Force EXA, PS2, Japanese, £20. Shining Hearts, PSP, Japanese, £6. Shining Arc, PSP, Japanese, £6. Shining Blade, PSP, Japanese, £8. Shining Force Feather DS Japanese eleven pounds feather Blade Arcus from Shining EX PS4 Japanese twenty six pound total spend three hundred twenty seven pound fifty loving the podcast that's from Michael bloody hell um, you, just, you just join us there for the worst single minute of the back page podcast there's ever been <laughs> I was there thinking well that's that's uh, that's the listenership tuned out for this week um, yeah I should have I should have said like look back on some Patreon before I read that out shouldn't I. Um, <laughs> Oh well. Um, okay, lots of Shining Force games. There. I mean, I guess if you're passionate about one series and you buy this many, then like I kind of get it on some level as someone who's gradually tried to accumulate, you know, things like Metal Gear, The Twin Snakes, you know, or mm. or PS1 copies of Final Fantasy games I missed out on, or you know, DS games, GBA games. I sort of get the urge to fill in gaps, and 327 pounds for that amount of games doesn't seem too bad. However, I will say that if you're not going to play the Japanese ones until there's some other solution to it, that seems tough to me because it seems like I'm imagining, I'm imagining this is a big enough series that a lot of them have fan translations. So mm. to like completely give up on the idea of playing them at all seems like a seems like it goes against everything that Judge Matthew Castle stands for. Thoughts, Matthew? <laughs> well, I did know that this one was coming, so I actually appointed a special counsel to help me with this one. All right, okay. Uh, I call on Ashley Day to come to this courtroom. and uh, Oh, he can't make it, but he has sent me a statement to read out. Okay, good. Bottom line, what they need to do is sell any Shining game made after 1998, because <laughs> most of them are utter poop. Camelot broke up with Sega after Shining Force 3, and Sega replaced them with various work-for-hire studios and an art director from the hentai world. They now trade in substandard gameplay and smutty character designs intended to sell merchandise to weebs. Once they've sold all that, they can use the money to buy legit versions of all three parts of Shining Force 3, in brackets, the best game ever made, but that's for (laughs) another trial, that's me saying that, plus the bonus premium disc, and they'll be golden which i think was a special disc that came after with um some extra battle scenarios you could like transfer save data into if they have any cash left over buy the mega drive mini 2 so you can play shining force cd uh until they make this trade i'd consider them a person of taste who has strayed from the path he also questions whether you can count a physical reproduction of a fan translated game as part of the official collection he says, get the real thing and mod it. The originals aren't that expensive. Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, like, Ash should have his own games podcast because he knows so much about fucking obscure, like, games yeah. on the, on, from the, you know, like the 90s. So that's good. Secondly, how many courtrooms can you, like, bring in another judge because you don't know what you're talking about? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure where I'm at with patricide. So I'm just going to bring in another judge for this one. <laughs> well, uh, listen, I think the central point, though, that. This series doesn't deserve to be seen as an entire series in the collection and that there is a Camelot era and a post-Camelot era. I think that's an interesting point. It renders half these purchases silly purchases in the eyes (laughs) of this Shining Force expert. Yeah. I, I didn't go to all this length to bring in this expert, not to listen to him. He did say 
this is the bit I deleted because it didn't serve my purposes. Right. It's definitely enough to put them on probation if not a dunking in a death tank. Okay. Which we obviously aren't doing. No. We're not doing that anymore. Michael Caine just cannot take any more dunkings. We've got to give him a break. I feel like the expert is suggesting mercy, but mercy with quite a stern message attached. Maybe is that another beam emitter attached to the head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or at least a wheel, you know what I mean? Like at least a, I just want something to say, you've been in court and it didn't completely go your way. What about the flame the flame turret thing? What about that instead? Or a bazooka, one of those bazookas. <laughs> right, yeah. It just fires a big bomb every, like, five seconds. Quite a violent game when you think about it, Tears of the Kingdom, for an Nintendo oh, it game, is, isn't it? It's <laughs> quite, quite, quite funny, actually. Uh, Simon Parkins, right up in the New York, was sort of saying that the the evolution of your vehicles in this game and the pacing of parts does end up mimicking the kind of evolution of gliders to early planes to high-tech war machines. Right, right. It follows the, the arc of history quite neatly, and you do end up just building attack drones, killing entire bosses without doing anything yourself. It's a very political game. Move over, Kojima. <laughs> but without any commentary. It's just played for lol, yeah. basically. <laughs> it's just Fujiwashi going, huh, makes you think. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. This guy gets to live, but he has firing weapon attached to his head. Okay, so yeah, innocent, but gun on head. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting because I feel like the the sheer volume of like games that Ash considered bad would have drowned that out. But you know, I see the logic there. Out of interest, how was your life with your uh, Mega Drive Two Mini treating you, Matthew? You still enjoying that thing? <laughs> oh, I love it so much. <laughs> Do you feel like you filled in all the gaps in Sega history that you uh, you underestimated as you uh, give Sonic CD a go? Has that been good for you? <laughs> yeah, let's move on from that. Okay, uh, okay. This is not yeah. This is not um, Matthew Castle on trial. That's illegal on Castle Island. Um, exhibit I. Big fan of Human Revolution. That's Deus Ex Human Revolution. <laughs> not just the concept. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big fan of Cuba. You know. Um, finished it before the boss patch and everything. 23rd of August, 2016. Okay, that's ages ago. Jesus Christ. Mankind Divided on Xbox One at launch day, 39.99. I got a couple of hours in and then fell off and traded it in. January 2018, bought it on PS4 for 4.99. And on Facebook Marketplace, November 2018, I bought the £150 limited edition from Game for 19.99, featuring an Adam Jensen statue. December 2022, I bought it on Steam for £8 as part of the full Deus Sex collection. It's been on PS Plus and Game Pass. I've still not finished it. Rich Spurs 24. Feels like death for me because, I mean, again, this is not my 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 court. But um, just because this is a great game, Mankind Divided, and you should just play it instead of keep buying it. That's my thought on this, Matthew. Thoughts? Yeah, you should have just played it when you originally bought it yeah. um, and then not traded it in. Also, I'm not a big statues guy. I don't know if I want a big statue of Adam Jensen in my house. Yeah, it's a hard one to explain if like... Oh no, I suppose you are married, so you can sort of get away with all kinds of bullshit. But you know, let's well, say I, I have... Well, I can just say it's Catherine's. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, like Anything a... weird, I just say, oh yeah, that's Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So all those... That statue of Squall from Final Fantasy VIII, that's secretly yours, Matthew, of course. No, that's hers. I have one toy on our shelves, and it's a model of Rock Lee from Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. A little homage to your past there, too. Yeah. You in the late noughties, yeah. It's like one of my horcruxes, that thing. <laughs> Can we still make that reference without it being, like, incredibly cursed? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, yep, yeah, so you go with Guilty this one? <laughs> You're so keen. Yeah, it's just a preposterous 
narrative uh, that you've painted here. I mean, any one of these individual purchases, bar the statue, would have been fine. All of them together. Yeah, it's just wild to me. So I'm going to augment your body um, <laughs> with 200 planks, and I'm just, just going to chuck you off a mountain, see what happens. His, his last words were, I never asked for this. Free! <laughs> okay, guilty. Um, sorry about that, Rich Spurs, but thanks for listening to the podcast. Okay, Exhibit J. <laughs> July 2021, so a little late to blame on lockdown madness, I purchased The Sims 2 on DS for £7 from eBay, clearly as part of a very bored scrolling session. I have succumbed to the clickbait of a Facebook ad directing me to a Kotaku article titled Folks Think The Sims 2 on Nintendo DS is Haunted by swiping posts from a Reddit thread of reminiscence by millennials who grew up with the game as kids. The article tries to put together a narrative that it was some kind of unique fever dream of a game which had to be tried to to be believed and I fell for it. Without nostalgia goggles, it was of course not a Lynchian surreal journey into the mind, but just Data's jank that I played for no more than a few hours. On the plus side though, my kids tried it, were likewise unimpressed, and have since stopped pestering me to get them The Sims 4. (laughs) I'm just not ready for the big woohoo talk yet, so maybe it was all (laughs) worth it. That's from Jam Warrior, and then they link to the article. Strong, strong email. Good little joke at the end. I like that. Great content. Um, Great content. Kind of an unforgivable purchase. You fell for the oldest one in the book, which is younger writer tries to take their shitty game from childhood and make it sound like it's more important than it actually was. Come on, no one falls for it. It's it's a it's a huge no from me, dog. Um, Quite cheap. Time right? bomb, straight attached to the head. I throw <laughs> an acorn at the time bomb to activate it uh, you should probably leave the courtroom first <laughs> and then i'll throw the acorn <laughs> job's done okay i think seven pounds is fine to like check out the deal with this but no. i do also think that it's kind of like if you weren't there you can't expect to have the same experience and also why wouldn't you just watch it on youtube instead of buying it, uh, I, I just uh, there's so many of these things though where people people are so desperate to like mine every gaming experience they have there isn't content in every gaming experience you have mate have you heard this fucking podcast <laughs> yeah because yeah and we're talking about good games hundreds of games i have played that never get mentioned because there's just nothing in them not everything you played was an important stepping stone in the history of games it just wasn't i think i've mentioned i think i i've probably mentioned every pod every game i've played on this podcast no I feel like I'm probably getting there at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're at least closing in on it. But uh, all the, I don't know. I just think of like all the shit I had to review for like reviews, roundups, in in game or whatever. That, that, that's what this is. It's well, just I, like it's I, it's a it's a forty percent hundred word review. Those games they just do not have anything of worth. And just because there's like a fucking hour long YouTube video essay about how this is like some fucking creepy pasta curse bullshit doesn't make it so. <laughs> What a, what a great run. I really enjoyed I just, that. Uh, there's loads of this, you know? There are people like, oh, actually, the uh, GBA movie tie-in for fucking Alex Riders got this, like, really great meme content in. And you're like, it fucking hasn't. Don't try and trick people into spending money on horse shit like that. It is interesting. Like, I, I sort of... um, <laughs> it, it feels a bit like... Because uh, I, I see things that I consider quite standard from, you know, my days of playing games reappropriated and mythologized uh, on youtube quite a lot and that's quite an interesting thing the only thing i can really compare it to is what happens to the iconography from the batman universe and batman beyond when it's like a future society but all of these weird like villains and stuff from the past are kind of like revered and reappropriated and cycle in and out of the culture like it feels like that where i'm like this is my own personal history but i'm looking at it through this lens of 
a younger generation's claiming it as something it's not. You know what I mean? That's right. That's, that's quite interesting to to see. Um, yeah, but yeah, but that's because not... I'm old. You know, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't have I don't have that imagination. I just see too much freelancer grift in it. You know, like I've managed to sell someone on the idea that this not very good Harvest Moon Game Boy game is actually you know a seminal work, and it's like. Come on. Yeah, but then the flip side of it is like Jeremy Peel writing about Trespasser, you know what I mean, after doing the podcast on it for us. Yeah, like, but that's, that's, a big, uh... mad, that's a big, mad, like, famously weird, interesting game. Like, there are those games, but... Well, I'm just saying it's okay to it's okay to mine that stuff if you think it yeah. genuinely is significant. Anyway, that's not... Yeah, really I don't want to get too grumpy about it. No, nah, that's what it's course. Let's move on to Exhibit K. Guilty Acorn Explosion. Um, okay. Well, that's ironic, given what's <laughs> just happened. <laughs> No, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, very wait. good. Oh, sorry. When you said we're going on to the next one, I thought it was from someone called Guilty Acorn. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder what you were talking about then. No, I was just ca- <laughs> What are the chances of that? <laughs> and the next one's called Wheelhead. That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I genuinely thought that's what just happened. Uh, this is, I, I was this like, is... no fucking way. That's incredible. This has the... <laughs> <laughs> this has the makings of a great games court so far, I think. Okay, Exhibit K. The guy's just called Jamie, I'm afraid, Matthew. Sorry to burst your bubble there. <laughs> Boo. Bought a DS Lite from CEX for £40. Was supposed to be a present for my girlfriend because she wanted to try some old DS games. However, she hasn't used it at all. I also wanted to transfer Pokemon from Leaf Green to Platinum, which needs the Lite's GBA slot. Um, That seems okay to me price-wise. Side note, I had two different girlfriends who I gave like DSs to. <laughs> And they, and they didn't play in both cases. Is that I from think, you or the right letter writer? Oh no, this is from me. That, that okay, one. right. Um, so one of them was like one was actually one was a DS Lite, one of them was a 3DS. But I was like the 3DS was because she'd heard Link's Awakening was quite cool and weird and wanted to try it. That's quite a good example of a game actually, Matthew. That is that is strange, but maybe its reputation is like slightly outsized versus the reality of actually playing it. Um, in similar way to what we were just discussing. But obviously, unlike The Sims on DS, it's actually a good game. So. Uh, mm. Um, so yeah, what do you think, Matthew? DS Lite for forty pounds. I feel like a a DS by itself is a bit weird in the world with a three DS. Yeah, but the three yeah, DS yeah. is so expensive that maybe this makes sense. The GBA slot yeah. is fair enough, you know. I still like the form factor of the original DS Lite. It's a nice thing. I, no, I, I couldn't judge anyone for that. forty quid for such a delightful thing. You can buy loads of great games for this. Yes, you could play them on three DS, but they were like. There's something to be said for like playing it on the OG hardware. This is where they they belong. Well, not the OG hardware, the the light. Um, yeah. Version well, the, of it. Yeah. Okay. So innocent then. Yeah. So innocent. Not even a little wheel strapped to the head, bit of, like a plank. No, nothing. Just, just, okay. just solid. It's just a solid, a solid thing. I can't be too down on that. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm still slightly distracted by thinking they were called uh, Acorn Explosion Head or something. <laughs> that was confusing. Exhibit L. <laughs> Hi, gentlemen. The eBay purchases below all began in 2021. I've just got to warn the listeners, this is going to be another bad minute at the back page reading these oh, out. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm dreading it, personally. Um, and have continued to this present day. I really like Monster Hunter games, association of playing these while holding Infant Son, etc. A bit of dad content in there as a little chaser. Um... I apologise for the confusing game titles. Is a franchise quirk. Pack of three PSP games. Monster Hunter 2nd, Monster Hunter 2nd G, and Monster Hunter 3rd, $16.99. These are these dollar prices, by the way. These are Japanese imports, which I cannot play on PSP. Uh Uh-oh. It, however, inspired me to jailbreak my PSV to to download those same games and patch them to partial English. 
This in turn inspired me to hack my 3DS. I don't mind admitting these things. Sony has never cared about the Vita and Nintendo is famously very chill about this sort of thing. <laughs> um, Tukudin Kawami for the PS Vita, $28. A game with a Monster Hunter type game loop. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate for the 3DS, $20. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate for the 3DS, $15. Monster Hunter Freedom Unite for the PSP, $15. I don't have this much fucking time to play these, Jesus. Monster Hunter Freedom Unite again, $10.49. The first copy arrived without the right case, but the wrong PS... With the right case, but with the wrong PSP game. Um, oh, the game that it came with, though, was Jean d'Arc, an interesting strategy RPG from Level 5. I think that's actually like a actually a pretty strong purchase by itself, even if you did get it by accident. Um mm-hmm. Monster Hunter World for PS4, uh, 99 cents plus $6 shipping. It's a good price for a very for a good game. I have this game on PC already. Uh-oh. I don't Ooh. own a PS4. Uh-oh. <laughs> Monster Hunter Frontier Online for Xbox 360, $14. Another import from Japan. They unplugged the servers for this game a few years back, but it's since been revived for PC by fans in a manner legally grey. This game is a blast, so I thought a physical copy would be nice. I don't own an Xbox 360. Uh-oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Capcom don't care that the servers come back on. Running total, $126.47 over a period of one and a half years. Happy hunting. I'll find who that was while you um, to give your verdict on this one, Matthew. Because I personally think that's just... No one's got time to play all that. And a lot of it just seemed to be, like, you know, for display uh, purposes. Just... Which we don't encourage on this podcast. I just feel as well, like, maybe someone will be howling with indignation at this, but the Monster Hunter games, they're not thought of in terms of, like, oh, I still prefer that old entry over this new entry. Generally, the arc of Monster Hunter is that they're, like, improving them. Yes, there are spin-offs that maybe behave differently, but, like, the people I know who are really into Monster Hunter, they move on to the next Monster Hunter. The community moves with the game. And then they play hundreds, thousands of hours of that game and its expansions and whatnot. And then they move on to the next. This isn't a, oh man, I you know I I, I want to play Dragon Quest V again. You know, it's it's not that kind of game. It doesn't have that kind of community. I think a lot of the appeal of those early games was playing with other people, especially those early games. Like they've made them more single player friendly as they've gone on. It was designed for local social play on freaking Japanese tube trains. It's not putting aside that I don't play I can't play these things. I don't have these machines. Like I just don't think this is a series that behaves like that. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe there is an underground fucking Monster Hunter 2G community. <laughs> um but it doesn't reflect what I know about Monster Hunter, so I think that's mad. Yeah, the other thing is as well, like the surely part of the pleasure of them evolving is that those those PSP Monster Hunters, if you ask me, are not nice looking games. Whereas Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter what was the one that just came out on Monster to Rise? Those are mm. unquestionably nice looking games in their own terms. So it feels weird to me to be like to go back to something that looks that old hat when you can just enjoy the you know, like you say, the community moves with it, but also the games just move on. Um, yeah. Because Capcom games just get prettier and prettier. So, yeah, I think it's I'm like, with you on that. It's NK, you, by so the way. Do you want to see, like, a less sophisticated version of the, your favourite monsters of, of today? Probably not. Like, Yeah, it's a bit different to something like Pokemon, for example, where there's, like, a genuine reason people go back um, beyond nostalgic yeah. purposes. Like, I'm willing to be told that actually there that is a big thing and that every Monster Hunter still has its champions, it's not something I've ever heard about or encountered. Yeah. Um, 
wonder what Joe so, Scrubs thinks of this one as the a big monster hunter head. But uh, I don't know. We, should, we can't keep bringing in guest judges. For this, no, can we? we can't. We can't have any <laughs> more special counsels. Okay, so what's the verdict? Well, it's it's got to be guilty. But as you like monsters so much, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to attach your feet to a plank so you can't move, and I'm going to push that plank in front of one of those three-headed dragons that are now flying around Tears of the Kingdom. Right. I've not actually fought one yet because they look scary, but I'm guessing it's just going to like incinerate you, and you'll probably <laughs> enjoy it because you're obviously into like monsters okay very good all right we're nearly the end actually so this is exhibit m this is the second to last one okay uh i think it's actually more guilty than innocent so far this is the bloodiest <laughs> games court yet although there's not much blood this is a lot of vehicle parts and weapons being attached to people i've been updated that um the guy with the wheel and the engine um did make it to the sea and is no longer with us <laughs> Good update there. Thanks. For that. Who who handed you that? Was that one of the Doctor Salvadors or the yes. warrior into the courtroom? You know, um, a quiet okay. word in my bucket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, God, I want to put that last person to, to to death just from making me read out all those Monster Hunter game names. That felt like <laughs> some kind of sick torment for sexual pleasure. I wasn't. I was not into that at all. <laughs> Exhibit M. Greetings, Samuel and Matthew. Thanks very much for the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed making my way through your back catalogue over the last few months. I thought I would send in some of my purchases from a recent trip to CX Bristol on 22nd of April. Good CX, that fucking massive. To the Games Court for your upcoming episode. Didn't you used to go to that CX, Matthew, for your Xbox job? Oh, yeah, I used to have to go there of like, shit, we need these games for a list feature. And basically what list feature we did would be based on like what I could find in that CEX. Right. So that's how how much of a good forward planner I was. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, nothing has changed. I present to the court the following. Ninja Gaiden 2 for Xbox 360, £2.50. Max Payne 3 for Xbox 360, £3.50. Final Fantasy 13 for Xbox 360, £2. WarioWare Smooth Moves for Wii, £4. While I'm fully aware that Judge Castle has bemoaned his time with WarioWare while stuck in the Wii house, I believe the three other three games more than make up for it. All 360 games there are backwards compatible, with two of them being Xbox One X Enhanced and the other, Max Payne 3, previously being submitted to the court by Judge Castle himself. Ninja Gaiden 2 on 360 is also considered to be the best version of that game. Keep up the great work, and I hope I'm not crushed by a thwomp. Regards, Tom Woodward. Um, that does seem to strike me as a good collection, Matthew. He's only really, he's just about broken the £10 mark there, but... yeah. Ninja Gaiden 2, Max Payne. I don't know about Max Payne on console because I've played the PC version now and know it to be superior from the mouse and keyboard controls. But yeah. for completionist's sake, you know, it still looks nice on 360. Yeah. Uh, thoughts? That's definitely the the one I'm like least into specifically on 360. But um, yeah, the other ones, as he says, you know, Xbox enhanced. That's a really nice feature. I think Final Fantasy 13 goes from being a bit of a laughing stock on Xbox to something quite nice. Yeah. Um, courtesy of that upgrade something quite sort of enviable and desirable so um you know can't really argue with that um i think four pounds of smooth moves great my beef with smooth moves was more like it, it felt especially throwaway as do most warioware games for like 40 quid yeah that's like the perfect series to buy pre-owned all of those games are worth playing once they're like sub 10 pounds definitely yeah yeah so that seems okay to me i feel like any yeah. Ninten- any nintendo made wii game that's like Five pounds or less seems all right to me as a, yeah, as a purchase. You get but, yeah, you get like four four pounds worth. I mean, that's cheaper than a prep baguette, and that only lasts 
what 10 10 minutes max oh 10 seconds i was gonna say but uh yeah okay so we've got an innocent verdict there i think i agree those are those are some good purchases and uh yeah you're getting the most out of your xbox uh series x there or whatever you're using mm. there so yeah responsible choices um if anything there was a disappointing lack of drama but it was nice just not to be reading out monster hunter game names so i'm happy <laughs> or indeed fucking shining force names um okay last one here some really good ones here matthew this is from emails from stefan at slowest bro on uh, discord or twitter i don't know he's from boston love the podcast after listening for a long time i think it's finally time to throw my hat in the ring with one year's worth of purchases may the shining light of jc's kitchen cleanse me well it's in fucking trowbridge now when you said shining there that gave me the fear <laughs> <laughs> yeah shining light hentai exa um on ps2 18 dollars um <laughs> All games are complete in box, bought on eBay in the US between April 1st, 2020 and February 14th, 2021. <laughs> Very forensic. Rogue Galaxy on PS2, 19.99. White Knight Chronicles 2 on PS3, 11.99. Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth, 3DS, 34.99. Um, there's a note there saying Etrian Odyssey equals great, Persona equals great, the combination a terrifically mediocre game. Oh, interesting. Where do you <laughs> yeah. all stand on Etrian Odyssey? We can come back to that. Devil Summoner, Soul Hackers, 3DS, $161. Wow. Incredibly bad timing buying it then. It's now $90 new. Oof. They must have bought out some new copies of it or something. Devil May Cry, PS2, $6.95. Blood Omen, Legacy of Cain, PS1, $37.90. I apparently bought this on Valentine's Day. Those are the games, <laughs> Matthew. Um, funny thing, just a side note here. There was a time in 2006 where Rogue Galaxy was my most anticipated game of any game i was based on what based on the fact that it looked incredible it's a late in the day ps2 game from level five yeah who had made dark cloud and dark chronicle and or dark cloud 2 if you're in the us dragon quest 8 as well yeah dragon quest 8 and it seemed like they were going to be like the jrpg sort of like you know the kings of the jrpg basically going forward which the genre itself had been you know it, there are some really good jrpgs at the end of the ps2 era but they seem to emerge with dragon quest 8 as like they can make really pretty japanese rpgs that mm. also feel a little bit contemporary and so this seemed really exciting because it's kind of like their version of star wars basically like cell shaded star wars except they were like these basically like pirate ships going through space like with engines fit to them and stuff so it had a really nice aesthetic then i played it and it was so fucking hard so hard that i just <laughs> i really just like burned out on it and um didn't get that far with it even though it seemed it seemed pretty decent and now i think you can actually play it on ps4 so just wanted to relay that there was a time where i looked at screenshots of that thinking there's no way this can't be the greatest game ever made and it sort of came along and i feel like it's i feel like it's a bit of a cult favorite but you don't hear people talking about it all that much really white knight chronicles i think both of those are considered a little bit disappointing on ps3 because they were there was like a long awaited level five game they got here and i think they kind of got like sixes and sevens i'm not so sure about the second one but i remember the first one people were like this is going to be a big ps3 exclusive that it was kind of a bust right can't speak for the other ones too much though i will say that um i've no idea if devil may cry on ps2 is 6.95 or not it doesn't seem that much but that's obviously a classic so uh legacy of kane's a weird one though i'm not sure i don't have the love for that series and i'd have just bought that on gog or something instead of spending 38 dollars right it. so it maybe seems like too much money has been spent here matthew thoughts it's kind of an interesting era for level five obviously i know them through their nintendo games where they were doing like mega business with layton and then they seem to have the magic touch for like launching franchises like in azuma 11 and it seemed that they were making serious bank on ds 
while putting out a series of PS3 things that didn't quite land. Yeah, I guess Nino Kuni is like much, much more of a success for them and has a much clearer thing. I think White Knight Chronicles, wasn't that the one which had like an online component? There was a little bit of a kind of frenzy to try and... Monster Hunter kind of experiences. Yeah, sort of Monster Hunter experience or, or, or there's that kind of chip on the shoulder about, you know, Japanese game developers don't do as much sort of with online as like western game developers so they start just trying to cram it into genres where it doesn't necessarily make sense like a jrpg and i think the co-op in this is is literally like i think it's just like you you get together for like fetch missions together and actually what what is of interest is just the core the core sort of single player game it's tough because well like the um for one at chronicles 2 sony declined to publish it in north america and d3 published it instead which would suggest that yeah, it, the first one had never quite had the impact but yeah uh, but that was also true of demon souls so who knows quality aside it feels like an interesting kind of corner of gaming to have in your collection and i've not played rogue galaxy but i remember having sort of similar vibes about it and definitely coming off the back of like dragon quest 8 and you know they made incredibly pretty games and you know very solidly made jrpgs always it always gave me slight skies of arcadia vibes from afar yeah um definitely you know which is kind of a cool thing to tap into. There's nothing here where I'm like, holy shit, I love it. But there's also nothing here where I'm like, ugh, this gives me pause. I, I kind of get it in the case of like the Shin Megami Tensei 3DS games. You want to try and hoard those before the 3DS store closes. And yeah. they are not widely available on other systems, even though it seems like uh, Sega and Atlas are pretty committed to getting those games on other platforms now, which is great. Um, so I kind of get that one. The Legacy of Kane, though, you really can just go on GOG and buy this yeah, for PC on, a, it, yeah. on an even a basic PC. I don't get the urge to buy it on PS1 personally. What yeah. was the really expensive devil summon that he bought? Soul Hackers. Generally, Shin Megami Tensei and its spin-offs are all quite highly regarded, you know? There's, yeah. there's, there's not one where it's like, avoid this one, it's a mega howler, which I know isn't a very, like, deep take. You know, I don't know the individual series strands particularly well, but, I, you know, I know you can't really go wrong. I bought loads of these when E3 DSE shop was closing. Yeah. They were all, like, five quid each, and I just bought, like, five of them. The one I couldn't bring myself to buy was um, Devil Survivor. The second one was quite cheap, but the first one, they never reduced the price, and it was always, like... 40 quid and i just couldn't quite bring myself to take a punt on it at the end yeah. yeah now it's gone forever of course so that's tough one of my big regrets actually working on gamer was we would always have access to these games and we'd always just farm them out to like tom sykes as a freelancer yeah he reviewed most of our shimagami tensei stuff and he wasn't like super into it particularly himself it was just a sort of matter of necessity but in time like it's like a series not a series i dismissed but i just didn't have like a huge amount of interest in but the ones that i have played i've really liked and I kind of wish I had gotten in on that earlier and built up the knowledge when it was a bit more manageable. Yeah. Because now there's like fucking 15 of these things that the internet suggests you really should play if you want to get into this. And you're like, well, I'm never going to do that. Well, the thing is, right, like so I played, the first one I played was Nocturne back in 2006. I bought that. Right. And I did buy it because Dante from Devil May Cry was in it because <laughs> that seemed cool to me. And yeah. I, I played it and it was so dark and strange because it was published by Ghostlight, who are a pretty small UK publisher, um, who were like specialised in, um, still specialised in like bringing Japanese games over, and it had no real footprint. And it seemed to me like it was too dark and strange to ever catch on in a mainstream way. That's how I felt about right. it. I thought, compared to something that's easy to package up like Final Fantasy, these monsters are quite weird. This world is quite dark, and it seems a little bit. It's very they're very atheist games as well, um, and so it seemed to me like they were never going to catch on. And then mm. Persona 3 and 4 happened, and then 
by the time Persona 5 comes along, pretty much anything that's Shin Megami Tensei related now is is quite a big deal. And I never saw that coming, personally, because it always seemed mm. like it wasn't going to catch on. But I didn't see the online age coming where people would kind of like fetishize that dark, weird stuff, you know? So, mm. yeah, interesting. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, where does that leave us on this? I, I just don't feel passionately enough to kill this guy with some mad contraption. I'm kind of with you. Like, fun- fundamentally, I think the things are sound. Persona Q is actually, like, I th- and he said this himself, not the best hang. On paper, it should be rad. The Persona kind of aesthetic of it, the Etrian Odyssey kind of labyrinth mapping is, is really satisfying in the way, you know, the core loop of that game is you're exploring a, a massive maze that you are kind of drawing out on the touch screen and like mapping in by kind of doing these deeper expeditions and there's this real sense of you get in a certain distance and then you're like no I'm you know I'm gonna lose I'm gonna die in you know I'm too weak so I have to kind of leave the maze and then go back in it's very systems driven it's quite a pure RPG in that sense but definitely a series I recommend people experience once maybe not at the Persona Q version but I think they're re-releasing or remaking all the Etrian Odysseys at the moment so people have a chance to rediscover them so fundamentally nothing too egregious and quite expensive for Shin Megami Tensei but probably the coolest game in that lot so why not yeah okay yeah so it's kind of like the logic we applied um, (laughs) to Dragon Quest doesn't quite apply here I suppose but uh, I mean it's the difference between like 170 you know and this yeah 161 for soul hackers is quite a lot of money oh but... shit it's 161 was it I yeah it was... yeah oh right but for persona q it was 34.99 oh then... that does feel like a double standard yeah and then legacy of kane's 37.90 so it's quite a when lot has of... logic ever controlled this court i kind of agree with you in the sense that like if you're if it's about what it's worth and you're paying under 40 quid generally speaking it's okay to buy something that you want you genuinely want to own that or you have some kind of affection for you know what i mean like 40 pounds feels like the upper limit of like what what is considered acceptable and i say that as someone who spent i think like 80 quid on the twin snakes for gamecube um so yeah uh okay all right so you're still still undecided no i'm gonna let him go all right okay bit of a double standard there but that's it's castle island there is no there is no logic at work here um Logic's not banned, time is banned, but uh, still, logic is frowned upon sometimes. Okay, going to count up these um, guilty verdicts, Matthew, because I think I've lost, so <laughs> let's see. Oh no, um, there's only five guilty verdicts, and the rest are innocent, although some of them have turrets strapped to their heads. That's, uh, <laughs> so, um, Did yes, they really te- win? <laughs> I said, I think the uh, the winner, as ever, is the uh, is the listenership. Actually, they're also the losers, though, so it's it's tough. Um, but yeah, I've won this one again. Another successful court case for um, Better Call Sammy. I guess that kind of works, doesn't it? So let's yeah. go with that. Yeah, I think I, I enjoyed this. I think this is one of our stronger games courts, Matthew. I don't feel like it flagged too much. We didn't have too much like waffle from the listeners on their life story. It was it balanced <laughs> out all right, give or take a Monster Hunter or Shining entry. Yeah, some interesting picks. I feel like some good executions. Yeah. Still feel bad about the guy just let to wheel off into his death but you know so it goes yeah he really will be a warning to other people though like that's uh you know that's a great yeah. a great story a great deterrent and that's that's what you need when you have a budget dictatorship such as matthew castle island okay the podcast is done hope you enjoyed whatever bullshit this was we're backpage pod on twitter if you want to follow us backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to email us if you'd like to submit entries for a future games court or indeed reverse games court which we're kind of piloting there's a, a thread for that in the discord so go to games court submissions in the discord or you can email us at backpagegames at gmail.com there will be more podcasts next month in june but me and matthew haven't decided what they are yet um, but we'll post a schedule on the first of june as we always do so look forward to that and uh, the last podcast of the month from us anyway is the xxl episode on the best tv episodes ever 
Matthew, where can people find you on social media? At Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.